uh, tonight we come to the book of Jonah. Uh, people love top ten lists of every kind. I always enjoyed watching uh, David Letterman with his uh, nightly top ten list back in the day. Uh, and if, you, if, if we were to talk about sort of the top ten uh, most familiar stories out of the Old Testament, uh, perhaps out of the Bible, uh, uh, certainly that list would include for many people Adam and Eve, Noah and the Ark, maybe David and Goliath, Daniel and the lion's den. Um, but uh, certainly a contender on any top ten familiar stories list would be Jonah and the whales. I mean, my kids, when they were <coughs> elementary age, that would have been uh, one of their top. And uh, so we're coming to, to Jonah tonight. Um, and uh, the reason we've been studying the minor prophets is, is to have a, a greater insight uh, from them into understanding uh, God's heart. And Jonah, of, of the minor prophets, is interesting because uh, of all the, the prophets, he's the one who's not like the others. And uh, he's not like the others in, in a couple of ways. First of all, um, all the other prophetic books that we're going to be looking at are, are taken up almost entirely with a prophetic word, in other words, revelation from God that God gave the prophets to, to give to his, his people. Um, whereas Jonah is largely a narrative, and the actual uh, preaching of Jonah is, is very brief uh, as it's recorded here. It's a historical narrative that's told in, in very uh, vivid style. Um, I don't think we'll read the whole book tonight, although it's tempting because it's, it's, it's short, but uh, the narrative to, to teach us, I believe, uh, important lessons, not only about God's heart, but the book of Jonah really unmasks some things, I think, about our hearts as well. Uh, and that leads to the second way that Jonah is unique among the prophets, is that he is outstanding not for his faithfulness to God, but for his stubborn disobedience to God. Um, he, uh, he's portrayed negatively. Uh, I haven't watched the show, so I, maybe this is a bad illusion. Um, but from first to last, Jonah is portrayed negatively, so maybe he's sort of a prototype for what's that show everybody talks about, Breaking Bad, um, which is about a person going from bad to worse. Is that right? I don't know. Never mind. Um, okay, thanks, Jerry. <laughs> affirm me, affirm me, yes. Uh, he's, he's portrayed negatively, Jonah is, from beginning to end. And uh, so... A simple message takeaway from Jonah is don't be like Jonah. Um, but there's more than that. And, and I, I think, though, a, a way to get at uh, that, that message and, and the message of the book is to think about, okay, what's, what's going on with Jonah? And, and so we're going to talk about his hardness uh, of heart. And you see that in, in how he responds to the word of the Lord. He, he runs away. Um, you see that in, in response to the, the sailors and the Ninevites, who are uh, key players in the story, and, and ultimately you see that in uh, the contrast between Jonah's heart and, and God's heart, and that's where that's where we want to go. So uh, I do have the, the whole text here, but as I said, we're not going to read it all. But let's go to the uh, to the first slide. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. Uh, the son of Amittai, uh, saying to him, Jonah, arise and go to Nineveh, uh, which is the great uh, 
center of the Assyrian Empire, that great city, and call out against it for their evil, the evil of the people there, has come up before me. Uh, But Jonah (coughs) did what? He rose to flee to Tarshish. And notice uh, the text is explicit, from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, found a ship going to Tarshish. They paid the fare and went on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Uh, you go to the next slide, and, um, <laughs> you know, scholars don't actually know where Tarshish is, but one of the, one of the contenders is, is, is down in the southern part of Spain. And it's, it's just so striking, right? You know, God says, Jonah, I want you to go there. And he gets on a ship and heads in the exact opposite direction. Um, it's kind of crazy, right? It's, it's, it's naive. It's, it's, uh, it's silly. I, my, my brother and I, before we became Christians, I would have been 7th or 8th grade. And um, there, was a, there was a huge Christian gathering in Texas at that time. It, was, it made national, nationwide news. It was on the cover of Time magazine. And we knew this was happening, and we knew um, that all these Christians were convening in in Dallas and that they were going to um, be going door-to-door in neighborhoods in Dallas sharing the gospel with people. And and we knew that because my sister was connected with some of this, and she actually told us, you know, they're going to be coming in our neighborhood this this week. And so my brother and I were just in fear of this, and... um, (laughs) Lo and behold, you know, they, they, they rang our doorbell, and, and we, we knew it was them, and you could see them coming up the walk. And, and, you know, we, it's not so dissimilated from Jonah. I mean, we ran out the back door and into the alley and, and down the street. I mean, we were just desperate to get away from the word of, of God. But God found me out eventually anyway. Um, <laughs> it's kind of hard to run away from God. This is the point that, that I'm making. So why would Jonah do such a thing? Why would Jonah... Uh, respond to the to the word of God by running from the presence uh, of the Lord, and uh, the text doesn't. Well, it does. I think get to the point. In Jonah's mind, these people that God wanted him to speak to uh, were his enemies. It, it was as plain as as that. Um, the Assyrians were a notoriously cruel nation. Uh, they were a threat. Uh, to, uh, to Jonah, to his people, uh, to his land, his nation. Um, he may very well have felt that to go to tell these people about God was sort of akin to giving aid to the enemy. Um, and uh, his actions in, in refusing to do what God asked him to do uh, also reveal a kind of a um, self-righteous nationalism that was characteristic of, of the Jews. Uh, in other words, a refusal to accept that, that the grace of God that they enjoyed was for the benefit of anyone else uh, in the world or that it might be extended to anyone else. And, and, and so he would have agreed with God, yeah, the Ninevites, they're a, they're a wicked people, but, but he was not interested. He refused. He fled from God's presence rather than go tell them uh, the message. So he goes, he goes AWOL in the exact opposite direction, um, doing everything in his uh, power to disobey uh, the direct word of the Lord. 
run away from what God was calling him to do. And, and so we see here a, uh, a deeply religious person. He's a member of the, the covenant community. He is a prophet of the Lord. Uh, a deeply religious person whose heart is far removed from the plan and the purpose and the heart of God. And I think that ought to challenge all of us uh, tonight. You know, what, what about us? We're part of, of this faith community, part of the <coughs> church, um, engaged in uh, religious activity, singing songs of praise, um, uh, perhaps seeking to, you know, live in some sort of conformity to the, to the rules of the Bible or, or, or Christianity. Um, and yet, what about our hearts? Are our hearts really deeply in line with, in harmony with, in submission to the plan and purpose of God? Or are we like, like Jonah? I mean, he was as high up on the, the, the religious totem pole as you can get, right? He's a prophet. And yet his heart is so far from God's. We see that in him literally trying to run away. So you also see that as we move further into the text. Uh, he gets on the ship, and, and, and uh, God hurls this great wind, the mighty tempest, so that the ship is threatening to break up and sink, and the, the sailors, the, the mariners, uh, who uh, are, they're pagans. Uh, they are deeply afraid, and each one starts to cry out uh, to his God. They're hurling cargo overboard uh, to lighten the ship so that it doesn't sink, and Meanwhile, Jonah, and those of you who know this story, he'd gone down into the inner part of the ship, had laid down, and was fast asleep. And so the captain comes and says to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God, you know, whoever you call upon, will give a thought to us that we might not, might not perish. And so we, we, we see here that, uh, as the narrative unfolds, that Jonah is more stubborn in his hardness of heart than, than these pagan sailors are, or, or we're going to see in a minute, than the people of Nineveh are. I mean, these are the sorts of people who the Bible, the New Testament, um, sometimes labels sinners. Remember, people complain that Jesus associated with sinful people, people who are outside of the faith community. And, and here are the, the sinners... Um, and this is one of the great ironies of, of the story, that those who would have been considered <coughs> sort of outsiders, those who would have been considered far from God, they are more responsive, as the story unfolds, to God than the one who was the insider who would have uh, been close. So they're, they're urging Jonah to pray, going to the next slide. They said to one another, let's cast lots no on whose account this evil has come. They cast lots. It fell on Jonah. They said to him, why has this evil come upon us? What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? What people are you? He says, well, I'm a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea. Oh, we're in the middle of a, of a tempest and a dry land. And, and so go on um, to the next. And they were exceedingly afraid when they, they understand who he is. What is this that you have done? They understood that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord, and they said to him, What shall we do that the sea may 
quiet down, and uh, it's going more and more tempestuous. He says, well, pick me up, hurl me into the sea, and then it will quiet down. I know it's because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. And they don't want to throw him overboard. Uh, they have compassion for the guy. That, <laughs> nevertheless, they rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not for the sea was more and more tempestuous. So they come to the next. Therefore, they called out to the Lord. Think of the irony here. They call out to Jonah's God. Lord, let us not perish for this man's life. Lay not on us innocent blood, for you have done as it pleased you. And so they picked him up and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. And then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered sacrifice and made vows. So they interpret this storm rightly as being of, of divine origin. They begin to pray to their, their many gods. They're horrified to discover that, that Jonah is in flagrant disobedience of his god. And so they, they, they pray to, to Jonah's God on his behalf, on their behalf. Um, and, and he responds, and they fear him, and they offer sacrifice, they make vows to him. They show compassion for Jonah. They desire to see his life spared. And then you have uh, the Ninevites. So I'm not going to read this. Jonah, this we're not going to talk too much about the whale tonight. Uh, Jonah is... You know, swallowed up uh, <coughs> by this great fish, and he, he prays a prayer in the fish, which which is interesting to consider whether there's any genuine uh, repentance going on here or, or not. Um, uh, notice verse 8, uh, those who pay regard to vain idols, that would be the, the Ninevites, <coughs> the, the sailors, they forsake their hope of steadfast love. Uh, but I... You know, I don't do that. And so there, there may be this spirit of self-righteousness running right through this prayer. Um, but God uh, directs the fish and it vomits Jonah up uh, and out onto the dry land. And so continue, the, the, the word of the Lord comes to him a second time to go to the great city. And, and this time Jonah realizes that fleeing from the presence of the Lord is ill-advised. And... <laughs> So he rises and, and goes to Nineveh um, and uh, <coughs> begins to go into the city and calling out, Nineveh will be overthrown. And look what happens. Verse 5, the people believed God. And they call for fast from the greatest to the least. On to the next slide. And even to the to the king, and he arises, removes his robe, uh, covers himself in sackcloth, sits in ashes, signs of repentance, and um, urges by his his, uh, royal decree that um, everyone should call out mightily to God, let everyone turn from his evil way, from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows, perhaps God will turn and relent from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. And when God saw how they turned from their evil way, he relented, and he did not did not do it. So this this violent, this evil, cruel people, this this brutal uh, people, the king, the king admits their their evil ways. Uh, they they respond to the word of the Lord in 
uh, in repentance. And, you know, it, it's, it's stunning. Uh, whatever the failings of Jonah as a messenger, and, and they are many, he's probably the worst preacher in the Bible. Uh, the, the people of Nineveh believe his message, and so that should give you hope. <laughs> they, they, they believe that the message that he's bringing is from God, and they responded uh, to God and, and asked for mercy. They believe this is a message uh, for them. Uh, they, they acknowledge their wickedness, their need for forgiveness. They humble themselves. And, and so both these, these sailors and these Ninevites respond to God positively. They believe the message, and God spares them. And meanwhile, there's Jonah, right? The deeply religious person, his whole identity is... is bound up in who he is as a prophet, as a servant of the Lord. And yet, his heart is so hard. And, and I, I think we need, we are, we are intended to see what's going on here. That the, the religious person, the, the moral, the upright, the, the believer here, it, um, it, it, is, it is him, in contrast to the rest, whose heart is completely at odd with God's. And, and this, I think, begins to get to the heart of what's wrong with Jonah's heart, because he does not see his deep need for the grace and the mercy of God. Because he doesn't see his neediness. He what? He has no grace toward others. He has no compassion uh, toward others, because he does not see himself as fundamentally the same as the sailors and the Ninevites. He doesn't identify with them. And I think this is something that we, we need to consider uh, uh, very carefully for ourselves. Because he, he does not identify with them, he does not <coughs> sit in judgment upon them without compassion, without love. And in fact, if it were up to him, God would destroy them. And he's, in fact, as we'll see in a minute, he's angry with God. Why is he angry? He's angry that God doesn't destroy them. That is how hard his heart is. And so we have to be very, very careful that in our good and worthy desire to live holy, righteous, uplighting, godly lives, we saw that when we were looking at Titus, that we don't begin to view our own goodness, uprightness, and holiness as something that sets us apart from other people and that somehow commends us to, to God, that somehow gives us a, a privileged status. We, we, we need to see that, that Jonah, in, in a different way perhaps, yes, but that Jonah is every bit as alienated in this instance from the heart of God as the wicked are. And we need to see that that's possibly true at any moment about us. And the irony is that when you get to the end of the story, it's, it's the wicked people of Nineveh who have repented and are enjoying the grace of God, and it's self-righteous Jonah 
who is left angry at God and angry at the world. Keep, uh, keep going. It displeased Jonah so exceedingly that the people repented. He's angry. And he says, God, isn't this what I said when I was yet in my country? I knew you were going to do this, God. That's why I got on the boat to go somewhere else. I knew you were going to do this because I knew what kind of a God you are. <laughs> it's, this is just it's comical. You are a gracious God. I mean, this is echoing God's uh, glorious self-disclosure of himself to Moses after, after uh, the people in the wilderness made the golden calf and, and uh, worshipped that. Uh, it's not the wilderness yet, but and, and, and here is at, at Mount Sinai, and, and God reveals Himself to Moses, and He says, "You know, I'm I'm the Lord who is, is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, relenting from calamity." And and uh, here's Jonah, you know, quoting the Book of Exodus back to God, and says, "I knew you were like this," and He's angry, and He's so angry, He says, "God, just take my." God says, Jonah, do you have a good reason to be angry? Uh, go on. And, and so Jonah goes out. He's sulking. He's pouting. I mean, this is a, this is a serious uh, pity party. He goes out and he makes a little booth for himself outside of the city. And he just sits there to see what's going to happen next. You know, it's like, God, I'm so fed up. And so God graciously appoints this plant, uh, which... Uh, grows up and comes over Jonah to shade him, to save him, so that he's more comfortable. <laughs> it is pitiful. And he's so happy because he's got a little shade plant. He's so happy. But when dawn came the next day, God sent a worm to attack the plant so that it withered. <laughs> God is great. <laughs> and the sun rose, and God appoints a scorching east wind, and the sun beats down on the head of Jonah, and so he was faint. And again, he says, I, I just want to die. So on to the next uh, slide. God says, do you do well to be angry for the plant? Yes. Yes, God. <laughs> I do well to be angry enough to die. And, and God says, you pity this plant. I think John really pities himself. But, for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh? that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle, many other living beings in that city. <coughs> Here is Jonah, so angry, angry at God, angry at the world, sitting out here under the boiling sun in, 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 in anger, while the people of Nineveh are enjoying the grace of God. You know, I love the unity of the Bible here. Does, it, does this resonate with you? Does this remind you of another story from the Bible? I, I think of Luke chapter 15, when Jesus tells the story of the two lost sons. We, we refer to it as the story of the prodigal son. And the one son despises his, his family and goes off, asks for his inheritance, goes off and squanders it until he finally comes to his senses and returns to his father in a spirit of humble repentance and his father welcomes him with open arms and the older brother in that story remember is so so angry with his father for showing grace and mercy at the end of that parable the older brother is outside just fuming in anger and, and the younger brother is inside enjoying the father's 
Father's blessing. And that's, that's Jonah. That's not what the gospel is calling us to. Over and over again, we see in the scriptures that the, the people who, who often have the hardest hearts toward God are people who are confident in their own righteousness, in their own goodness, in their own being insiders with God. And so they fail to see their deep need for the grace of God. Jesus hits this over and over again. Luke 18, the, the story of it, he says, to those who were confident in their own righteousness and therefore did what? Looked down on everybody else. Jesus tells a story. The religious person in this context doesn't see himself as a person in need of God's mercy. And you know, that's the question for us tonight. Do you see yourself as a person deeply in need of the grace and the mercy of God? We are all the same. We are all people who need God's mercy. We're all, we're all people who don't know our right hand from our left. Whether we're Ninevites, outsiders, or insiders like Jonah, we all need the grace and mercy of God. And, and so that leads finally to the person we haven't really talked about very much tonight, and that's God himself, who's, who's really the, the, the hero of this story. I think that's pretty clear. He's the one who is supremely patient, who is uh, profoundly compassionate, who wants to respond to even the slightest sign of, of genuine repentance, He's the one who's gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love. God wants to save the Ninevites. God also wants to save Jonah. God wants to save you and me. God supremely demonstrates his compassion. What? For us. His abounding love for us. How? In sending his son to take upon himself our wickedness. Whether we are immoral, unrighteous people like the Ninevites, or whether we are moral, upright people like Jonah, Jesus took upon himself our sins. And it's, it's when we begin to really grasp our deep need for the grace, the mercy of God, and to receive it gladly, those are the people who are filled with, with the humility and with grace toward other people. Because we, 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 we come to see that God has shown us compassion beyond anything that we could ever deserve. And so at the end of this story, we see Jonah's heart hard, embittered, and the heart of God in stark and, and for Jonah, shameful contrast. How quick we are to agree with God that others deserve judgment. But we're so unwilling to agree with God when he wants to show mercy and compassion. Just a couple of applications as, as we close. Um, don't suppose that you can oppose God and get away with it. And um, there's an absurdity to that, but there's also something beautiful about this is a story of God's patience and his persistence with Jonah. I, you know, I literally tried to run away from people 
trying to share the gospel with me. And I'm, I'm so thankful that, that, that God didn't quit pursuing me. Uh, a, a second thing that, that I think we see, and there's more than one way to be lost. And, um, and another way of saying that is what we've been saying, is that every one of us is always in need of the grace of God. And so don't think, you know, so the Ninevites are lost in their wickedness, but some of you are lost, some of us are lost, we might say, in our goodness. And we have forgotten or never really understood our own deep need for the grace of God. And so we need to encourage one another in this, that our hearts don't become hardened. <coughs> and then, uh, thirdly, I think one of the things that emerges so powerfully from the book of Jonah is God's intended saving mercy toward the nations. That the gospel was never only for some insiders. It was never only for for this little group. The gospel was from the very beginning for for all people. And part of Israel's failure in in the Old Covenant was was their (coughs) ethnocentrism. And and we need to be uh, on guard and examine ourselves whether we be guilty of the same thing. The gospel, by definition, is meant to to leap over, to cross boundaries. Any kinds of boundaries by which we might divide ourselves. All of our our tribalism, the gospel is is meant to transcend that and, and, and ultimately subvert it. And, and we need to always be asking, God, am I guilty of, of that kind of nationalism or ethnocentrism or tribalism or, uh, or, or whatever it might, it might be? I mean, we have been blessed with this, this glorious message. We've been blessed with it, not to keep it, but blessed so that we can bless others with it. One of the central themes of Jonah is God's compassion. And certainly one of the ways that we can show compassion uh, for others is in seeking to address human need and human suffering in physical, concrete, material ways. But one of the things that comes through very clearly here is is we must not neglect the fact that, that ultimately bringing the compassion, the mercy, and the grace of God to other people means opening our mouths and speaking the word of the Lord, the message of God to them. How will they hear that there is grace and mercy and compassion in God? How will they hear that there is a Savior, that there is a promise of forgiveness of sins? How will they hear unless someone tells them and so, I, I mean, I, I think many of, of you I know are deeply, deeply compassionate people, and you, you want to serve people, you want to help people. But we of all people must not lose sight of the fact that the greatest act of love that we can do is to share with others the message, the word of the gospel. And in that regard, I sometimes think that the church 
may be one of the greatest obstacles to the advancement of God's <coughs> grace and mercy in the world because we don't open our mouths and share the message with other people because we're afraid of what they will think of us. I don't think, I mean, I, those of you, I don't think most of us are uh, motivated by hoping that God will punish them all the same way Jonah did. If, if that's where you are, then please repent of that. <laughs> But the word of the Lord has come to you. Jesus said, as the Father sent me, so send I you. He said, repentance and forgiveness of sins should be, should be preached in, to all the nations. He says, go into the world and proclaim the gospel to all of creation. He said, you shall be you. You and I shall be his witnesses. And, and are we doing that? It's not judgmental to tell other people the good news. It's judgmental to refuse to tell other people the good news. Think about that. Jonah refused. You've been given a treasure. I've been given a treasure. Are we, are we willing to share that with others? That's the heart of God. God wants to show compassion. He wants to show mercy. Let's not keep this treasure to ourselves. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Jonah who challenges me every time I read it. How often I seek, it's so silly to flee from your presence as though that were possible. And all too often, Lord, I harden my heart to your word, to your command. I become dull of hearing and dull of heart. Lord, I pray that uh, you, by your Spirit, would take this word and just explode it in our hearts tonight. How deeply we are in need of your grace and mercy, and you have shown us that in Christ. I pray that we would be eager to share that with others, that just as your heart is for the nations. Your heart is for people. Your heart is for the lost. I pray that ours would be as well. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. <laughs>